blessing it is. Friends, last July, Janet and I went to see the new Elvis movie. How many of y'all have seen the new Elvis movie? Really? More than I thought. That's great. I got to tell you, that movie really reminded me of all the things that I love about Elvis's music. There are a lot of fans of Elvis. Are there any fans here, even though you had not seen the movie? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm an Elvis fan. Let me just tell you, if you're not an Elvis fan, you ought to be one. Amen. But some people are such big fans of Elvis that they actually impersonate him. You know, they try to look like him, they try to sound like him, they try to shake like him, amen, they try the mannerisms like him, but what is so odd is that all those people who try to impersonate Elvis, they know a lot about him, but very, very, very few have ever even met him. They might know his hit songs. They might know about the movies he played in. They might have even gone and watched him in concert. But they never met the singer himself. And therein lies a very important lesson for Christians. You see, it hit me after last week's message, that maybe the main reason that people don't worship God like they should, maybe the main reason why Christians don't find joy in their worship of God like they should, is probably because they don't know God as they should. You see, knowing about God is not the same as knowing God. Somebody say amen. amen. Books, social media, even the Bible can give you a fantastic introduction to the God we worship. But listen carefully, they cannot replace a relationship with the almighty creator of the universe. Sure, it's better to know about God than to know nothing about Him at all. But the relationship can never be all that it was meant to be until you have a personal encounter with a God that we worship, the God that created you, and the God who saved you for a purpose. There are many Christians who know plenty about God. They too have read the books. Many of, them, many of them have read the whole Bible. Many of those Christians have attended church. Some of them have attended for years. And many of them may have even had a spiritual experience with God. And I want to tell you, that's all a really great start. But you can only love somebody that you know. You can only love someone who you know. So do you know God? Or do you only know about God? You may know a lot about God. You may even know Him personally. 
But God wants you to know him with your whole heart. He wants to be Lord of your life. In this new series we're starting this morning called Knowing God, I want to encourage you not to be satisfied with where you are with God. I want to encourage you to embark on a new journey with me throughout this series where you are encouraged to meet him if you don't know him. So that you can know him, so that you can love him, so that you can worship him for who he is. You see, we can only worship God when we truly love him. And we can only love God when we truly know him. I mean, if all we do is touch base on Sunday and maybe bring a little offering to him, but we never have that growing relationship, many, many problems can crop up. For example, if you don't really know God, the true God, the one and only true God, you may be tempted to create a God that suits you better. You know, you may be tempted to create a God that's a little more convenient for you. You may be tempted to create a God who doesn't infringe on your idea of who a Christian should be. I mean, if we don't commit to knowing God as he is, friend, it is only a matter of time before the God that we worship does not even resemble the God of the Bible. Secondly, not only might you create a God that suits you better if you don't really know the true God for who he is, but you may believe someone else's version of who God is. Throughout life, we have these experiences that can sometimes have a negative impact on how we view God. And when we try to cope with those life experiences, we may have well-meaning friends. We may even have well-meaning counselors try to tell us about God from their own knowledge. And that's a problem. Because when those life experiences happen to you, friend, you must learn to move forward. You must learn that you cannot allow the negative impact of life to be an excuse for you knowing God. So today, I want to begin our journey by sharing with you four powerful benefits of knowing our God who is worthy of our worship. The first of which is this. Knowing God gives us a sense of pride. Now, we always have a negative connotation about pride, but I think we ought to be proud of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm proud of God for all God has done. I'm proud of God for what he's done in my life. Well, friends, if you'll turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, that's on page 675 in the Bibles in front of you. I want to share with you how God revealed himself in this issue of pride. In verse 23 of Jeremiah chapter 9, the Bible says, listen carefully, Thus says the Lord, 
Whenever you hear that, your spiritual antenna better perk up because God's talking to you. Here we go. Thus saith the Lord, let not a wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not a mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Friend, what can you brag about? Can you brag about how much money you got? Can you, <laughs> praise God, can you brag about how smart you are? I know many of you, amen, so you can't brag about that. Can you brag about how strong you are? Can you brag about how popular you are? Well, Jeremiah says, we don't need to be boasting about any of those things anyway. Now, I think there ain't nothing wrong with boasting. As long as I'm boasting about the right thing. Namely, that I know God. That's the only thing I can boast about, friend, is that I know God. Many people throughout the Bible have boasted about knowing God. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 4, 14, 6.14 said, God forbid that I should boast about anything except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet Hosea said, he wrote that God desires that people know him even more than making sacrifices to him. See, worship is incredibly important, y'all. What we do is incredibly important, but knowing God in an intimate, personal relationship is the most important thing in your life. Do you know God, or do you just know about God? Now, when the Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome, he declared that the ultimate purpose for his whole life was to know him, to know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, the focus and the passion of the Apostle Paul's whole life was knowing God. Paul also said that one day we shall know as we are known. We shall know God as we are known by God. That being true, I think that we ought to be striving to know God so well now that when our time comes to depart this earth, our transition to heaven will be easy as cake. Amen? I mean, think about it. Our relationship with God should be so intimate here on earth that heaven will be the exact same relationship, only a different location. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that this morning? Knowing God gives us that sense of pride, pride in the Lord our God. But we can also realize that knowing God gives us a sense of purpose. Now, we touched on 1 John chapter 2 in our Walking with God series back at the beginning of the year. And if you remember, this passage describes the stages of spiritual maturity, the stages of spiritual growth that believers go through. I want to share that with you just very quickly. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, John says, I write to you, 
little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Now John says that spiritual children are those who know that their sins are forgiven. That's great news, amen? To know that your sins are forgiven. All these spiritual children really know is that they are saved from sin and they're heaven bound. That's good news, right? So, but here's the problem. Some Christians, some believers have been spiritual children for 10 or 20 years. Therein lies a problem. They don't know much about biblical truth. They don't know much about God. And they are not moving forward to the next logical step in their spiritual growth, which is becoming a spiritual young man or a spiritual young person. See, that's when your faith gets tested. That's when the rubber hits the road, friend. That is when you start proving what you believe. Spiritual young people. They learn truth about God. And then they see that truth being manifest in their life. It's revealed as they live. And they realize that, hey, I'm winning more battles than I lose. And that's good news. But then you become a spiritual father. You become a spiritual adult, if you will. Why? Because you have known him. You have known him who is from the beginning. You move from knowing about God to knowing God personally. That's when you get to spiritual maturity. So my question to you is this. At what level are you in your spiritual growth? Are you still a spiritual infant? Or are you moving forward in your faith? Are you growing and knowing the God that you serve? I mean, if all you know is that you're saved from sin, listen, that's great. But you must move on. You must move forward. If you're a spiritual young person, that's great. You are making progress. But you've got to embark on this journey of truly knowing God. Knowing God who is from the beginning. See, it's God's purpose, friend. It's God's purpose that you know him in a real and life-changing way that does this. It influences others. That's what spiritual adults do. Their faith has changed their life. It's changed the way they live. And they are now influencing other people for the glory of God. Knowing God. It gives us the proper sense of pride in him, but it also gives us the proper sense of God's purpose in our life. But the third thing is this. Knowing God also gives us a sense of power. Listen to what Daniel wrote in Daniel 11. Uh, forgive me. Daniel 11, verse 32. He said, the people who know their God shall be strong. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now, what you need to know about Daniel is this. Daniel did not want to be in Babylon where he was, where he wrote this. 
He was in a place where his faith in God was continually opposed by the culture in which he lived. Does that sound familiar to you? Friend, make no doubt about it. Your faith in God will be continually opposed by the culture in which you live. But Daniel found strength in his knowledge of God. When Daniel first arrived there in Babylon as a prisoner, he was selected to be a servant in the king's court. But then they told Daniel that he must eat from the king's dining room, which included eating food that violated Jewish standards. And Daniel said, uh-uh, ain't doing it. I ain't eating that food. Daniel knew God. He knew what God expected of him, and he knew that he must obey the commands of God. Now, as it turned out, Daniel and his three buddies were the only four holdouts, the only ones that wouldn't eat the food. But they stood firm on the word of God, and they were determined they were going to obey God no matter what. Now, soon thereafter, Daniel's three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they found themselves in yet another pickle. They refused to bow down to this giant 90-foot statue that King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had built. And when the king heard that those three boys wouldn't bow down before that golden statue, the king was furious. And he threatened to throw them into a fiery furnace if they didn't bow down to that statue. Their answer to the king went something like this. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from that burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image that you have set up. I don't know about you, but I want and I need that kind of power in my life. Knowing God is what gives them the power. Knowing God will give you that kind of power to be a victor and not a victim. You see, those three boys could have easily said, oh, we're victims of the king. But they said, no, because of my understanding and knowledge of God, I'm a victor. I'm a victor of God. So those three Hebrew boys, they knew God. They knew that they were living for God. Therefore, they weren't afraid of anything. They weren't afraid of anyone who had come against them or the God they served. Can I tell you that if you and I know God that well, if we know God that well, you and I can have the same spiritual power that those boys had against King Nebuchadnezzar. Knowing God it gives you that sense of pride in God, that sense of God's purpose in your life, but also it lets you see the power of God being manifest in your obedience of God. Now finally, knowing God also gives us a sense of peace. We all want peace in our life, don't we? But I got to be honest with you, I'm that close. I am right on the verge of giving up on Facebook, Fox News, 
in every other stinking news outlet that I watch all the time. I'm that close. It seems like all I ever hear about the world is more perversity, more corruption, more despair, more degenerate living, and more out-and-out evil. Day in and day out, I've had it. How am I going to get peace from that? I mean, if God wasn't so good to me, I'd wonder, is God even in control of this world at all? Well, friend, in another passage in Daniel, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, finds out who's really in control of this world we live in. In Daniel 4, the king has a dream. And he calls in his servant Daniel to interpret the dream. And the bottom line of the dream went something like this. God is getting ready to kick King Nebuchadnezzar off the throne of Babylon for a period of seven years. And in that seven years, he's going to be grazing like a cow out in the pasture. Well, at the end of this seven years, Daniel actually tells us what King Nebuchadnezzar says about who is really in charge of this world we live in. In Daniel chapter 4, Daniel tells us what Nebuchadnezzar says. And he said, and at the end of the time, at the end of that seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored Him who lives forever for His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom goes from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can restrain his hand or even say to him, what have you done? The king, the king who had a pretty egotistical view of himself finally learned about the power of Almighty God over this world. He finally learned who it was that had authority over the entire world past present, and future. See, when we truly know who our God is, you and I will begin to have this level of trust that leads to great peace in our lives. You know God's in control. Why fret? You know He's in control. You know God has the authority. Why worry? God's got this, right? So we need to learn to know God like that. I don't have to worry about what shows up on my news feed anymore. I don't have to worry about what shows up on Facebook or Fox News or any other news outlet anymore. When I know God, I'm reminded He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is ever-present. And that means He is perfectly capable of taking care of me and mine. Amen. But if I don't know God, if I don't know God like I should, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle with all the crazy events that are happening all over the world. And those events are going to bring me fear. Those events are going to bring me anxiety. And I'm going to worry. And I'm not going to have any peace. You know, as we look 
to our future. We also realize that Daniel foretold that one day God was going to establish his kingdom here on earth. And in the process, that God was going to destroy every other earthly kingdom. So, therefore, the certainty of this certain, this future event should translate into peace in my present day. Think about it, friend. I mean, if God can foretell the future, then that means I can be confident in the present. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's going to happen. There ain't nothing in your life that ever takes God by surprise. There is nothing in my life that God is not fully aware of. And listen, God never takes vacation. Amen? Praise God for that. Friend, listen, there is no reason why you and I ought not live with peace as long as we know God. Not know about God. As long as we know God. So do you? Do you know God? Or do you just know about him? Your answer probably reveals itself in how other people see your sense of pride in him. Your answer to that question of whether you know God or know only about God probably reveals itself in how other people see God's purpose being unfolded for your life. The answer to that question probably is revealed in how other people see God's power manifest in your life through obedience. The answer is probably revealed in how other people see the peace of God reigning When we know God, as we should, not only are we prepared to live this day, one day at the time, we are also preparing ourselves for a transition to heaven that's going to be easy as pie. Because the same way that I love him and know him here is the same way I'm going to love him and know him there. It's just going to be in a different place. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know God. That they may know Him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. My friend, you can come into this kind of relationship that we've been talking about this morning, but you can only do it one way. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. So today, we invite you. Today, we invite you to begin your journey of knowing God. Maybe we need to invite you to get back on your journey. To knowing God, to loving God, to serving God, and worshiping God, who is so worthy of your worship. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you 
that we can boast in Almighty God. Lord, we can boast in the purpose you have for every believer. Father, that we can utilize and, and show the world the power of God being manifest through us in obedience to your commands. And Father, the result of that is an extraordinary, overwhelming, supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. God, thank you for being you. Thank you for making us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for forgiving us from sin. Thank you for preparing a place for us in heaven. But Lord, our prayer is today is that we will live such a, uh, such a favored life here on earth that, Lord, we're living by faith. We're, we're bragging on you, God. We're being a witness. We're being a testimony. We're showing the power of God. We're obeying you. And people are seeing that. And, Father, we just pray that it would be such that other people would be drawn not to us, not to a church. Mm -hmm. They'd be drawn to you, O oh God, because of your faithful servants. Mm -hmm. Father, if there's one here that needs to embark on that journey of knowing you, not just about you, but knowing you, Lord, let them come today. And Father, if there's one who needs to get back on the journey like I once did, Lord, I had gotten so far off my journey, I was Languishing in the ditch. But you brought me back out. You brought me back on the journey. And Father, I continue to strive to be your servant and to exalt you at every, every turn. Father, I pray for those that might come today. And Father, I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to do a work that only you can do to save a soul and to draw someone back to you. Help us to know you, God. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.